go. Awesome. Well, now we've got that out of the system. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Hey, it's great to be in church this morning, isn't it? It's, uh, I just love to be in the presence of God and feel Him just moving. And, um, you know, I think part of the whole deal of moving with God is the fact that we're engaged. You know, we can come and attend church, but until we actually engage with church, with the presence of God, it's, it's a different deal. And, uh, you know, every so often we hear people say things like that, say, oh, that was an amazing service this morning. And I think, well, I think every service is amazing because I'm engaged with every one of them. And, uh, and I think that could be the same for you when we really sort of just step into that place. Anyway, we're going to move into a new series this morning, and it's called Set Apart. Nice uh, graphics there. Thank you, Carly. It's uh, looking pretty colorful there. And, um, you know, for some of us, when we think about set apart, what comes to mind? You know, probably different thoughts come into your mind right now about what does that mean? What am I thinking about set apart? Well, I thought of the word straight away, and my head went to my days at uh, school, how I was constantly being set apart. (laughs) I thought I was a special child. My teacher always wanted me to sit next to her desk. (laughs) And I even had, uh, sometimes the headmaster called me in for a special visit. And uh, sometimes I declined. <laughs> but that's not the sort of set apart that we're talking about in this series. Being set apart has a whole new meaning. So we're going to unpack that this morning uh, and over this next few weeks. God's intention of being set apart. The word in the Hebrew, holy, is Kadesh, which is a sacred place or a thing or being set apart because you are a sacred thing. It's also mentioned in the New Testament, uh, hagios, which is to be set apart. The meaning of set apart, like in Christ, we are set apart in the eyes of God. He sees us as holy. You know, God sees you as holy this morning. Some of us have been like, like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. But God sees you as a believer in Christ as holy. It's the only way he can actually see you as you enter into his presence because he's not going to, you know, you just, I think you just frazzle up if you didn't come into his presence holy. God made a way for each one of us to come into his presence. And we've just had Easter and we know the account of uh, the temple curtain being torn in two, making access so we could enter into his presence. This morning, we are set apart for God's purposes. You know, God sees you more, more than what you ever see yourself. You know, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Some go, a nice, handsome guy. <laughs> what do you actually see? You know, because I, I know particularly, uh, I find more so with uh, females that they're, they're all like, oh, my hair, I need to change that. I need to. I'm just listening to my daughters, my wife. You know? <laughs> uh, so I'm just learning these things. I don't know. Because I just look in there and go, fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, we need to get to a place where you're happy with yourself. And, and I think that comes from knowing who you are in Christ, who you are in God, that God sees you as someone special. See, so much of our world and time is from people telling us who we should be and, who, what, and what is uh, popular and what we should be doing. We shouldn't be allowed people to tell us who we are. We should be defined by who God says we are. God made you. He knows what you, the intentions were behind all that. Your best friend, your school friend or whatever telling you otherwise, he has no idea. Quite often I find the people that actually try 
put pressure on you to be something different are the ones that are mixed up themselves. They need some guidance themselves and they're not happy with who they are, so they try to put it onto somebody else, you know, to correct them. If only they could see through the eyes of God how God sees them this morning. Because God says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. You're his workmanship, you know, like your work of art. You know, sometimes we need to hear those things because we forget how God sees us. We just kind of think, oh, we've been naughty and uh, we should be in the naughty corner. And, but, and, and God is looking down on us like that, like we're just naughty people and he wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. But God so loves us. God wants to reach out to you. It says in Psalms 130, sorry, 139 verse 14, uh, um, For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous and my soul knows it very well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That means there's nobody else like you on the planet. And my wife says amen to that. Uh, you know, because you are unique. You know, there, you know, I've seen a lot of people that look like it, people. And it gets really bad when you get older and your eyesight fails you. And you see someone from a distance. And from the best you can work out through the blurriness is somebody you know. And you call out to them. They don't acknowledge you. And they're looking around, you know. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. But there is only one you. There is only one you. There's, there's, no, there's no one trying to be you. They're, they're, you are it. You're it. And you should be like, hey, I'm it. You don't need to be changing yourself all the time to be like somebody else. God has set you apart. You are someone unique. You are unique just as you are. It's, like I said, when you take the concept of what God says you're his workmanship, you're his masterpiece. Nobody can add to that. You can try. You can, you know, have you ever seen a masterpiece and someone messes with it? Uh, it just, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. <laughs> and if you understand that you're God's masterpiece, you don't ever f have to try change things all the time to think you're going to please him. You please just as you are. I remember uh, a guy at work years ago, he was like getting into the craze of piercings and things. He was going a bit wild with it all. And, uh, and I always remember him coming to work one day and he couldn't talk very well. And I go, what is your problem? I said, oh, g'day, Jason, how you going? He goes, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, what? <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> and he goes, I just don't know. And I got it out of him that he had his tongue pierced. And I go, really? What on earth were you thinking? That must have hurt you. You know, that must have, I mean, what, what, why would you want to do that? Or to be different. <laughs> and I said, that's not different. There's hundreds of people doing that. I said, look, you don't need to do something to be different because you are different just who you are. God made you uniquely different. So you don't have to do something to think you're different. Actually, in actual fact, when you do something to be different, you're actually becoming like others. You're, you're losing your uniqueness. It is. You, you, you know, you're all... Do the same. That's why we got fashions. You know, people follow the fashion styles. It's the latest clothing. We... We go, oh, I want to be different, I want to wear that, but then you become the same as everyone else wearing it. And there's nothing worse when your uh, clothing is the same as somebody else. When you rock up to church on a Sunday and someone's wearing exactly the same, you go, oh, <laughs> uh, you don't feel unique anymore. But I'm telling you, God this morning has made you unique. You are unique. Ephesians 1 4 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. We should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adopt adoption of children by Christ, uh, Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose us before the foundation of the world. So you weren't a mistake. God didn't suddenly go, whoa, oh, I've got some leftover DNA here. I'll, I'll make something out of it. No, he had you in mind right from the beginning of the foundation of the world. And that's why I could say with confidence that you are unique. God had this all planned out. And, you know, we need to walk in that uniqueness. Go, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, God made me. When you understand the bigness of what God has done, it changes your whole thinking. I always remember Steve Munsey. Um, I don't know if people know Steve Munsey, a uh, preacher from America. I can't remember the exact story, but he had that confidence. And he was in Disneyland one time, and, and I think it was a big queue for one of the rides. And one of the workers was going past, and he goes, you know, I kind of want to go on that ride. He goes, yeah, well, you've you, you got to wait your turn. There's a queue here. And he said, hang on, but my dad owns this. He said, what? Your, your dad owns this? Yeah, my dad owns everything. Oh, oh, come forward. Come forward to get on the ride straight away. <laughs> course he was referring to his heavenly father <laughs> and but i thought that's the kind of confidence we need to know our god owns everything i might try that one one time <laughs> see if it works but when you start to understand how god sees you it will change the way you see yourself Have you ever thought about that you know uh are you happy with who you are god's happy with you what are you trying to live up to what are you trying to change to to achieve something that you think is going to be acceptable when God has accepted you as you are right now without you doing anything and you go hang on I've got to do things you know we've got cults today in the world hundreds of them that are taught you have to earn your salvation you have to earn you have to do things you have to do certain things otherwise you'll never be accepted by God but that's not what our Bible says that's not what God's word says he's done it for us in Christ Jesus dying on the cross gave us an opportunity to come in and be part of his family. He paid the price for all our sin. And um, so I just got distracted by someone dancing past the doorway in their pajamas. <laughs> but, uh, but this morning, so if you see yourself like, wow, why have I been trying to do all these things and never feeling like I've accomplished things or I've never been good enough? Hey, don't listen to the lie of the world. You're good enough because Jesus died for you. And he would have died just for you and you alone. So you are special in God's sight this morning. And uh, I want, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to read from the passage of 1 Peter 2.9. If you've got your Bibles with you, and it's a great thing to carry, even if it's on an electronic device, uh, because um, you'll find that when you speak, when you look at it yourself, it sticks in your head more. If you read it yourself, I mean, we do have a backup probably. Yes, we have up on here. So 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for possession, so that you might speak of the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. But you are a chosen generation. Let me just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we are not distracted. We are not uh, moved by what the world says of us, but we're moved by what you say of us. And God, that is the truth. The world is full of lies. And God, we know who is behind that. But this morning, God, we stand on your truth, on your word. And as we bring your word together today, I pray, God, it will change hearts and minds. And we will look to you in a different way and look to ourselves in a different way. Father, I give you all the praise and the glory this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 
but you are a chosen generation. Well, how does that make you feel when you read that, that God has chosen you? He has chosen you. It's, it's, you know, it's like on the, you know, the school field when you're a kid and they go, who wants to play you know, a certain sport? Okay, let's go into two groups. All right, you're the one captain, you're the other, you can choose. And then they start going, oh, I have so-and-so, yep, right, your pick. You have so-and-so, yep, your pick. And you're still standing there like, pick me, pick me. And it's getting to the end like, and you're the last person. And the person goes, oh, okay, you. <laughs> it doesn't feel the same, does it? Then knowing that you're first up. Well, in God's eyes, you are first up. I pick you more than one. I pick you. I choose you. But, but me, but me, I've done all this. I don't care. I choose you. We can never understand the mind of God, how great, how he thinks and whatever, because I know we wouldn't think like that. We go, well, I'm not choosing you. You were nasty to me. You said something. You didn't give me a birthday present. You, <laughs> we're, we're all like conditions, aren't we? But God's not like that. I choose you because you are special. I made you from the beginning. I had you in my heart right from the beginning. You know, it's uh, the word chosen in, in the Greek is a word that means favorite. It's a sense of the word favorite, like Cabri's favorites. <laughs> like, you, you know, you, you like that? You don't like them all? You just pick out your favorites? But in this case, God is pulling out the favorites, those that have given a life to him. God picks his favorites, the believers in Jesus. But he's open to all people. He loves his creation, full stop. Uh, this is God's uh, one requirement, uh, <coughs> sorry, one requirement unlike the world is that his heart and the blessings flow through the believers. He reaches out to everybody, gives everybody opportunity, but only those that receive him will see the works of him in their life. Um, as it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, For man looks on the outward appearance, but Jehovah looks on the heart. See, God looks past the appearance and he sees the heart. You know, quite often we can be kind of res resistant to meeting certain people. They don't look the right part. They don't look quite right. You know, and, but you've got to look past that. God looks at the heart. You know, I'll talk to anybody and everyone. Uh, I was just saying to Sharon, I just seem to be, uh, I don't know what it is. Just People just like talking to me. I, I was in the supermarket. Yes, I came out waiting for Sharon and I was sitting there. And this young, probably about 12-year-old girl, she's got this baby and she's in a pram pushing it towards me. And there's a bench seat there. She sits down next to me and I'm just on my phone. Go, oh, yeah. Next week she goes, oh, is, is that paper? There's a paper there. Is that paper yours? I said, no, no, you can have that. It's fine. Oh, um, she goes, this baby is not mine. <laughs> and I'm going, I hope not. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, we're looking after it. And she just starts this conversation up. You see, people are wanting to connect. People want to be part of something, they, you know. Um, and I thought, well, how cute is this? This little girl just wants to talk to this random guy and uh, about uh, this kid that she's looking after and all this sort of stuff. But that's the world we're in. There's people, we're all special in God's sight and people need that connection to each other and to God. See, God didn't choose you because of your good looks. Sorry, if you're thinking God chose me, because, you know, uh, or your talents. He didn't choose you for anything. He says in John 15, 16, I have not um, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. God chose you for his purposes that you'd bring forth fruit this morning. 
being chosen should make you feel really good. I'm chosen. You know, you should get up in the morning and go, God has chosen me. Wow, he's got something special for me this morning. See, when you start talking like that, that changes your whole world. There's too much negativity in this world right now. There's too much doom and gloom. We've got to go arise above that. God is not being brought down like that. You don't hear God in heaven going, oh my goodness, another day. Ah, these people, when are they going to learn? You know, you don't hear him. No, God is full of positivity and uh, because he's a God of love. He doesn't know how to do anything. It's his nature. It's his character. He just does that. That's who he is. And so as believers in him, we should be following likewise. You know, we should be there too. We should be shining our lights to people. We should be uh, the happy chappies. We should be uh, more than what the world is. And people will see that. You know, there's a lot of grumpy ladies. I, I you know, so I found this lady in in the and man, man, man. Let's get into the man. Let's get into the man. <laughs> people. Okay, people. Let's qualify people. A lot of grumpy people there, and I and I always wonder why are you so grumpy? Why? You know, uh, the, you know. I was just in a queue, and the shops coming through, and this woman's all. And then you got the happy people like that just let me in the queue because I only had one thing to buy. And uh, you, you go, well, what's the difference between this grumpy lady that's going to hog the whole thing with all her shopping for a whole year, I reckon, and, uh, and then someone that uh, also is behind her and suddenly sees me with just one item, pass, says, go, go, you go first. You only got one thing. And now the lady's like, get away. <laughs> it's like... Oh, it's really terrible if you go to Aldi's and got on the floor like social distancing or you may kill someone. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, anyway, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> but being chosen is, is a great thing. And, and to think that Jesus chose you, he chose you to be on his team. We're all team members this morning of, of God's army. 1 Peter 2.9 further on says, you're set apart to be a royal priesthood. Wow, that's quite a big thing. Priests were men from the tribe of Levi, we find in the Old Testament, between certain ages without blemish. If a man had a disability, he could not serve as a priest. If he was involved in sinful practices, he also was disqualified from service. These priests served and interceded with God on behalf of the Jewish people. They offered daily prayers and sacrifices to atone for their sins and the sins of the people. But Jesus provided a new covenant through the shedding of his own blood so we no longer require a priest to intercede on our behalf. So what we've got now is Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice. And as we go back in this verse, he says that we are now a royal priesthood, a holy nation. When you unpack that, it's like in the Old Testament, we'd have to go to a priest and make atonement for our sins, like they'd sacrifice an animal. But Jesus has done everything. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So now we're in him. We no longer have to do that. Wouldn't it be messy if we kind of like brought animals to this place every Sunday and, uh, and you come forward, oh, I have sinned. Here's a calf. <laughs> It'd be a mess. And it was. From what I've read, uh, commentaries and that, it was a mess. Blood everywhere. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ah, pity Richard and his team that clean up the place. <laughs> a few complaints coming from there. Uh, but the whole deal is, he says, now you are a royal priesthood. You are the priest because we can enter into the presence of God. We can come before him. We can administer. We're we still called a sacrifice. Uh, but it's not like the old ways. There's a new way. 
as a real, in a, as a real royal priest, we have direct access through Jesus to the throne of God, and not just a select few anymore. Because in the Old Testament, only a few could go into the temple, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And of course, we, as I said earlier, that temple, uh, uh, Holy of Holies curtain was ripped in half, giving us access into entering with God. So daily, we can go before God. We can be in His presence. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to do any of that anymore. We are priests, royal priests. So as a royal priest, we have direct access through to Him, and we need to understand that we can come boldly before the throne of God. We need to grab these scriptures this morning and, and realize you can come boldly before the throne of God. A lot of us cower away from the presence of God when we have done wrong rather than coming forward and say, God, I was wrong. Forgive me. You know, your life will be changed when you start learning to ask God to forgive you of things because then you're not carrying that weight of that sin anymore. Because well, as we know in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve just hid from God because they were carrying that weight of sin until they understood the whole deal. And for you and I, if we understand that we can come faithfully to God and say, repent of our sins he's just to forgive us of our sins and uh, we can be unloaded it's great to know that there's nothing wrong i mean you can feel the weight of sin in any area who's ever had a speeding fine i don't know i haven't had one but yeah <laughs> it's true i haven't had one i've had several <laughs> uh, not that i'm proud of that i just keep saying it wasn't me speeding off this is the car just trapped in it uh but uh, the thing is, when you've done that, you, you, it annoys you. You keep reliving it. Go, oh, how did I miss that sign? How did I manage to, you know, I was too busy talking, watching, watching my speedo. You know, you start reliving. You feel that weight all the time of doing something wrong. But God doesn't want you to feel that at all. He wants you to be free so you can walk in that world with him, walk uh, with confidence with him. Because we are set apart to be with him. We are set apart as his uh, priestly bodies we're, we're a holy nation this sounds kind of like he's not just talking about the, the Jewish race here he's talking about those that uh, grafted in the Christians this is a reference to the Christians as well that uh, we are the royal priesthood the holy nation he talks about we are God's spokespersons it says in um, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 that then we are ambassadors on behalf of Christ as God exalted through us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Then we are ambassadors. That When you come to Christ, you become an ambassador of Christ. You know, you're an ambassador of Him. So that's why how you live and how you do life is important because you're given the wrong impression of who you're representing. When you're an ambassador of Christ, you're representing Christ. And as a Christian, we represent them. You can't be a Sunday Christian and come here and look all good and then go out in the week and live a different lifestyle and still call yourself an ambassador because you're not representing the true Christ. We are God's spokespersons. We're like living billboards. We're walking around uh, representing Christ. We're no secret agents either. We, we are to make known that we are like that uh, in the workplace everybody knew that I was a Christian it didn't take long and uh, but for some of us we kind of hide that fact oh I won't say anything because they might not accept me you know we've got to get out of this thing about acceptance God accepts you what greater a thing is there than the acceptance of God we need to actually go yeah I'm a Christian and it's really cool you know I'm really happy to be a Christian it's changed my life you need to have that testimony in operation 
so many of us uh, forget that we have a powerful testimony. You know, I, I share my story all the time, my testimony, and uh, some of you here have heard it so many times you can write a book on it. <laughs> but the thing is, testimony is what you have. You may not have understanding of the Word of God totally. Uh, you know, I was, uh, young Zach here, amazing guy. I just love this man. He's, he's great. He's going out there. He's a new Christian, and he's already speaking to many people about the Word of God. He's a great ambassador for Christ. And that's what we should all be. You know, the longer we get in church and we don't do anything, the longer it is that we don't do anything. It's just uh, no, nothing happens. I said, I just love the zeal of, of the young ones coming through. I want to do something. I've got to do something. You know, I've got to tell people. Got to, got, yeah, that, that's what it's got to be like. You know, we've got a limited time on this planet. And God has set you apart to be his spokesperson. God has set you apart for this purpose, to reach others, your family members, your neighbors, you know. And people go, but I'm not an evangelist. Well, it, it doesn't say you have to be an evangelist. It says do the work of an evangelist. And that might be just simply going around to your neighbor with a cake. Say, hey, I just thought about you. I thought, you know, here's a cake. There's one for you, Zach. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, something simple to reach out to people. Because you are set apart for a reason. You know, as I said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made for a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And we could be missing that purpose and that plan by not stepping forward and at least trying something. People go, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I said, well, neither do I, but let's do something. And I'm sure he will direct you. God can't steer a stationary ship. You know, it's like if it's got anchor, it's not going anywhere. But if you're moving, he can at least direct you. And I find this is where faith comes in. When you step out in God and act in faith, going, God, I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to go along. I'm just going to start walking out and you direct my paths because it says he directs your paths. He's a lantern to our feet and a light unto our path. So God will direct your path if you would just step out. You know, step out of the boat. Have a go. Try something. Try to do anything. Like I say to people, you know, join a team in this church. You know, be part of something. And you'll start to develop and find out who you are. I'm telling you, the door opens. I started the journey some 30-something years ago. And I just said, I want, I want to get involved. I was excited. New Christian. Go, I want to do something. And... Uh, so uh, I had a couple of guys come to me and said, look, we want you to help out in the youth team. I said, all right, cool, let's do this. And then I became the youth leader and, uh, and then it just developed from then. We changed church and you just keep wanting to serve somewhere and God opens the doors. He just wants to test you, see if you're, you're actually the real deal for a start. I, I never wanted a position for the sake of a position or a title. And that's what God looks for. He looks at the heart. He goes, well, I can use this person because they're just kind of, hungry to do the right thing and each one of us can do something each one of us has an ability to do something don't ever think i'm too old i'm too young i don't know enough everybody can do something i can tell you the power of your testimony is incredible you know when you tell somebody what jesus has done for you they can't dispute that because they weren't there they can't say oh no that didn't happen they can never say that and that's why testimonies are powerful because it happened to you so I can tell people's stories, but I can't qualify because I wasn't there. People go, well, that, you don't know because you weren't there. I said, yeah, that's right. But when I tell my story, I was there and you can't tell anything different. I know what happened to me. I know I experienced the presence of God. I know God healed me. I know God has changed me. I know God has moved in my life, empowered me, all these things. And when you get to that point in life, you walk in a different light. You know, you walk like with confidence, boldness. So many people lack confidence because they're lining themselves up with people they see in the world which they see as successful. I'm telling you, those guys are messed up too. 
because the whole Hollywood's messed up. And, and, um, but as soon as you understand who you are in Christ and you walk with a whole new boldness, it's like, I don't care what people say to me, you know. Uh, you know, people call me names, I go, I know you are. You know, <laughs> I'll just throw it back at them. You know, it doesn't bother me because it just bounces off me. It's just words. It's words, uh, names, because I know what God thinks of me. And, and I don't know why he thinks of it. That of me. We often doubt why. But the thing is, God loves you and God cares for you. He made you. You're a special creation, his workmanship for good works. And that's why I'm saying that all this he's put in you is for good works. Let's start doing some good works, people. Let's step out and do some good things. Your testimony is the most powerful thing you can share. So you don't need to know the whole Bible. Heck, if you were back in the old days, in the Old Testament, where uh, they used to have to learn the whole five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, the, uh, uh, by memory. I don't know how the kids could remember all that. Heck, I can't remember a shopping list when Sharon sends me out. <laughs> and, and yet they were just so trained in all these things. And uh, so don't think that I'm not good enough because I don't know enough of the word. I'm telling you, your testimony that God made a difference. Jesus changed my life is powerful enough. And people will see it. This is the greatest thing. People actually see things different in your life. And uh, will continue to do that. And of course, when you step out, there's always going to be somebody attacking you because of the debt we have an enemy in the world. But I want you to have confidence this morning. Greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. That you, uh, we've, Jesus defeated the enemy and because we have Christ in us, he is defeated before us. John 15, 19 says, um, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So if you're wondering, uh, like, being popular as a Christian, you go, well, I don't know, I, I could be a Christian if it's popular. Well, that's not going to be the case, all right? Because the enemy is against Christianity. The enemy is always looking to pull them down. So you're going to get that sort of stuff. But it's how you react in that, you know. We often see it, and, and people in the street light have seen that. And um, uh, in many aspects, people may hate you just because you say you're a Christian. But they're hating you because there's something lacking in their life they need the same as what you have and this morning um, I want you to understand that you have been set apart to reach these people there are people out there that need to know Jesus there are people out there you may encounter they may give you a mouthful of colorful language uh, I've had all that but it doesn't matter but you just stand there and just smile on your face <laughs> and and just reach out to them and still talk to them and it's amazing how they will come back to you in times of trouble people will look because they see something in you that they don't see in others. The world is erratic. It's up and down. People change their mind, whatever. But a Christian stands on the rock and is stable. And people are looking for stable people, people they can trust, people they can put their hope in. And I'm telling you, when we start understanding that we've been set apart to be that person to the world, you're going to see a different avenue take place. You're going to see people's lives transform. They'll come to you. Look, I'll tell you, I'm nothing special but I'm just saying I've seen God use me for that reason. And I've had people in the workplace come to me secretly because they're embarrassed. They don't want to admit because they've called me all sorts of names in front of all the rest of the work people. And suddenly when they've got problems, they're like, oh, can I just see you for a minute? And I go, yeah, sure. Oh, I don't know what to do with this. What shall I do? You know, and I said, why are you asking for me? Why are you asking for my advice? You know, oh, but you know, you, you, you're connected to the man. <laughs> I go, well, you could be too. <laughs> and, 
And it's like suddenly they understand there's, there's another world out there. There's a spiritual realm and where God resides and that there is hope in that, but they just don't know how to connect to it. So my encouragement today is for you to understand that you have been set apart to be that person, to reach out, to share with somebody, to show them the way, because Jesus is the way. But this morning, that whole journey of being set apart starts with a, a contract as such or a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, perhaps you're here and you once made that commitment to him, that covenant. Is it a contract? Is it an agreement? Because some people think coming to Jesus is just saying yes to Jesus and then carry on living your old life. No, it's not. It's a changing point. It's like I now are going to live my life for you, Jesus. And this morning in this place, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head and let's just wait upon God because He will speak to you in these moments. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loves His creation. As I said, you're His workmanship. He set you apart from everything else. You're under his spotlight. You are shining this morning as a believer. And he shines that light on those that have yet not made that decision because he loves everyone. He doesn't just love the Christians. He loves the whole world, he says. But he cannot force the world to do what he calls them to do. He wants you to submit to him, to surrender to him this morning. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, and you don't know what it's like to feel forgiven of your sins, to be set free, to know that you are loved and accepted, that you are chosen. If you've never made that decision, this morning is your opportunity right now. Perhaps you've never, perhaps you once made a decision for Christ, but you've sort of walked away from that. Well, this morning you can walk back to Him. Or perhaps you're just not sure. You've got to be sure. So this morning, if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, say, I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. We would love to pray for you this morning. So I'd ask if that's you, while nobody's looking around, just raise your hand. You can put it back down again, just so I can see it, so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If God is speaking to you, just feel, feel that tug. You know something's not right in your world. You've tried many things and they just haven't worked. And there's no peace. I'm telling you, Jesus is the Prince of Peace this morning. And He'll give you that peace to conquer fear, to conquer your past, your confusion. God is not a God of confusion. It's the devil that confuses you. Jesus sets you free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So this morning, if God is speaking to you, now is your time to make a decision. We're going to say it together. Sinner's prayer is the one prayer that gives you access to Jesus, to the kingdom. And I think it's always good because it reminds us of where we stand, whether we stand right before God this morning. So can we all just stand and we're going to say this together?
So let's repeat after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior forevermore. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you've made that decision for the first time or just re recommitting this morning, I would love to pray for you uh, as we play this last song. Or if you've got any other needs this morning that you need prayer for, come forward. God is the answer. God is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He is the answer to your circumstances this morning. So just feel free as we go into the last song. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'd just love to pray for you.